Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hello and welcome to Better Living, a show about the people and organizations that make an impact in our area. I'm your host, Nick Carissimi. Today, we are going to focus on an organization called Measured by Character. In studio with me, two representatives. We are going to start off with their founder, Dr. Wade White. Sir, how are you doing today? I'm good, Nick. How are you? And thank you for having me today. Well, thank you very much for joining me. All right. uh, Off mic, you just mentioned that you don't necessarily like speaking in public. That's not something you like to do. Now, wow, you already hilarious. let that out of the this door really quick. This is hilarious because that's exactly what you do. That's exactly what I do. It is my full-time job. Your full-time job <laughs> yes. is is speaking in public. I thought that that was hilarious. I want to get to how you were able to overcome that fear and how you were able to use that as a strength in what you do. But first and foremost, we need to figure out what Measured by Character is. What is this organization? What do you guys do? Measured by character is, uh, uh, let me say, uh, really what the essence of it is. It's about one life making a decision that he or she wants his character to be able to affect other people's lives in a positive way. That's the essence of measured. Um, it's focal point where where um, where we have started from the very beginning till now is, is we focus on public schools. And uh, we just got through, I was telling you off air, that we just got through with number 103. Congratulations. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Once you crossed that 100 mark, was that a big accomplishment for you? Did it feel kind of crazy that you'd done that much speaking? Absolutely. On the 100th message, it was uh, definitely a milestone. And um, But I, you know, I, I will tell you that when you're living on purpose— you are strategic in what you're doing, and so we just kept doing school after school after school, and uh, with well, not really kind of like counting the number because it wasn't about that. But when you get to that hundredth mark, you go, "Wow, we have uh, we've spoken to a lot. We've seen a lot of uh, students see lo- hope, life, and identity, and um, and that's really what puts the the wind in the sail to keep us going to the next one." What kind of crowds are you speaking to? Over 100 schools, how many kids are you talking to during each session, would you say? In each session, it will vary. Uh, Let me say it this. uh, Hear my heart on this. It's all about the one, Hmm. and we have kept that and will always be. That's the primary. Um, I've done the 6A schools, and I've done the 1A schools. Um, Just here a week ago, week and a half ago, we were in a uh, Denton County school, um, we had to break that in half and do two messages because the school was so big. Wow. But I just got back less than 48 hours ago doing a school in Oklahoma that had 66 in it. So it's it's not about it's not about the number. It's all about the one. It's interesting that you mentioned that in radio when you start broadcasting, they tell you that you are speaking to an individual. You might be speaking to a mass audience, yes, like we are here. But it's important the way that you speak and how you speak to that person and the engagement that you get out of them. You speak to the individual. 
was that always how you ran your talks and how you ran this organization? Because to me, it, it would be difficult because I always speak to one person. I speak to people one-on-one, -on -one, even though yes. it goes out to a lot of people. Yes. You're speaking to hundreds of kids potentially all at once, but you still focus on that individual. How did that seep into the organization? Uh, well, I know we're going to dive into this, but really where that came from is uh, from from tragedy into triumph. And uh, and really what birthed that was my son. And we will go into that part of it, um, that I see every human being's life as though uh, priceless, that it matters. And for my son, I would do anything. I would lay my life down for my son. And, and through my heart, I see each student, each person, that's there in the assembly as that. And, um, and, I, and really that keeps the focal point. And I believe that that bursts the passion in it. And we hear it all the time that you can see that the passion on this message is truly a one-on-one -on -one, um, purpose that you experience. Regardless of whether there's 1,000, 2,000 in the room, it feels like it's a one-on-one -on -one message. And, and truthfully, and you learn as you go, I, uh, I came from my very first school was a 1A school, and in less, than, in less than 10 schools, I was catapulted into Little Elm. And then if you know where Little Elm is, Little Elm is not little. I mean, they had six— Not anymore. Oh, not anymore. They had 6,000 in their district. And, wow. and in one afternoon, they, they'd, they had packed almost 3,000 in a gym. I mean, there was— Bleacher rose to the right and to the left and down on the floor. It was so packed. Was yes. there a was there a huge jump? Were you doing smaller schools? You're talking to a couple of hundred, and then all of a sudden one day they said, "Here's your three thousand seat room." Was there? Do you remember a time <laughs> when there was just a huge jump? Oh yeah, I mean like literally within less than ten schools. I mean uh, the very first school was Tioga, and I did it in a in a cafeteria. How many kids would you say at Tioga? I, I would say, I would say. Max 150. Okay. All right. Yeah. And then you do, let's say, 10 is what you're uh, Roughly around the first 10 uh, from Tioga, I went and uh, I don't remember the second school. Maybe it was Van Alstine. Um, and each one of them are, are, are precious. But uh, I remember when I went to Salina. And we all know where Salina is. Was Salina's that the big jump? But, well, Salina was a big jump. Okay. And uh, they kept coming down the hallway and i don't if you've been to salina you're kind of going out this country road you can see the horses and the cattle still to this day and you look up over on the right hand side and, and it, it literally looks like a university the school is that big and so we had a set date we were there and i and you know in my heart um during that truthfully broken time in my life i never really thought about a number hmm. and we had the set date we was there and we got everything ready, and we were in the auditorium there in Salina. And I looked down the hallway, and they have one high, one hallway that comes into the gym, and it just looked like a sea. <laughs> oh, and that was my first thought, and just thinking to myself, "Oh my goodness, where's the exit? <laughs> it's tough for me to how do, do you, a how do you get over the jitters from something like that? That is a big, big thing. We were joking earlier that yeah, you get yeah, nervous yeah. in public speaking, Absolutely. but I mean that is trial by fire. That's crazy. Well, it is true, truthfully trial by fire. You know, the I my Achilles heel all my life has has been speaking in public, but I truly believe if each and every one of us individuals were sent here with a purpose and a destiny 
and we are the only ones that can write our legacy. If we were truly sent here, for, and that's unique, and if my purpose is to bring forth hope and life and identity, then I don't find it actually as a question mark that my greatest struggle would be speaking in public and because uh, it is my full-time job. What we see that happens through Measured by Character, and uh, and by the way, you know, in this generation, because we have more technology and iPads, cell phones, Instachat, whatever that may be. I mean, literally, it's it, they say that in this con, this particular generation has an attention span of three to three and a half minutes, and that's it, because they have entertainment that's thrown at them twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. In the message of Measured by Character. Uh, not only is it, a, is, is it in a public forum, but this message is two hours long. I don't know when the last time was that you actually went to go listen to somebody for two hours. I mean— I normally talk to people for half an hour in here, and it uh, yeah. is shocking how little even that amount of time yeah, absolutely. happens in a yes. person's life. Yes, and so for two hours inside of a public school setting— um, when they don't even know what's fixing to occur or what's fixing to happen. But, uh, but I'll say it this way. If you, if you truly want an engagement um, in a relationship with another human being, then what we need to do is remember that we listen with their ears, but we hear with our heart. And if I'm speaking to you from a heart, then I'm engaging with you. And so truthfully, the entire message of Measure by Character from beginning to its end is a, is a heart message. It's been called, I say again, you learn as you go, the message has been called a life message. It is truly birthed from the heart. It's delivered from the heart. And it's one of these messages that you remember 20, 30, 40 years from now. I was just at the last school and I was looking up in the audience and I told them this. I can remember myself being in school at Kalisburg because I went to school at Kalisburg, a little, probably 2A school at that time. And I still, to this day, while I'm looking at you, Nick, I remember the speaker. I can see him right now out on the gym floor, and he was speaking to my heart. I, I can't tell you totally what he was saying, but I, but I remember it. And, and that's the key. You know, if we want to change our actions and we want to change our motive, don't get me wrong. We can speak to the head all, but we've heard this before. You want to change the action, you want to change the motives, you have to change the heart. So really, that's where this whole thing stems from. Dr. Wade White is the founder of Measured by Character. You can find them online at measuredbycharacter.com or give them a call, 844-622-0406. Let's talk about the roots of this organization and how it all got started. You alluded to it a little bit earlier, but when did you get involved with Measured by Character? How did this start for you? Well, I said earlier, um, you know, I... I, uh, I, I if I could, uh, <laughs> I wish I had just one day just woke up and just said, you know, hey, I think I'm going to take a career change, and I think this is what I want to do. This is not how this came to be. Um, it truly is a tragedy into triumph. Um, me being a parent of two beautiful boys, um, me and my wife had to walk through the um, – the worst, uh, the worst nightmare that a parent never wants to walk through. My son, Ryan Blakely White, April 6, 2012, which happened to fall on a Good Friday. It was six weeks before he was going to graduate from Aubrey. 
He fell asleep behind the wheel in his pickup truck on FM 428 and veered into a tractor. He fell asleep, and he hit a tractor um, head-on, and he was killed instantly. And um, nobody told me that morning. Um, I remember very clearly being at his door thinking that he was going to be in his room because Ryan didn't have to go to uh, school the next morning. He had all of his credits done. Uh, the night before, I, you know, I told my son, I said, you know, son, you know, Cooper's got to go to school, which is his younger brother. I said, take your brother to school and don't stop at your girlfriend's house and get on back to this house. And we, we talked about so many things that we were going to do that following weekend because it was going to fall on Good Friday. So we had Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Me and my boy, you know, we, we truly were – he was my best friend. Um, I didn't have that growing up. Um, I love my father. I respect my father. I, I'm blessed to still have my father to this day. But, you know, I, I grew up in a home that um, – I never heard, you know, son, I love you, or I never grew up in a home that, son, I'm proud of you, or I never had a father that that um, that came to my games. Um, I truly had a completely uh, other side childhood experience. And, and I say it like this, when you touch a fire and you know it's hot, you can speak from an area where others cannot. It's because it's personable. And so for my kids, I wanted them to experience what I did not. So in my house, I love you, the kisses on the cheek, the hugs, all of that was the norm. And um, so when I say that me and my boy were close, we truly were. If you saw him, you saw me, and it was vice versa on the inside. So we were so excited that we were going to do things together. And when I when I opened that door and saw that he wasn't in his room, I— uh, can I also tell your listening audience, too, I want to say this, is that life and death is in the power of our tongue. And right now in the day and time in which we live, there it's also in our fingertips. Things that we post, the things that we send out, they truly have power. They truly have meaning, and they are affecting another human being's life. And so I tell you that because, and I share this in schools all the time, my first knee-jerk reaction by not seeing me in the room, I thought he had disobeyed me. Thought he was probably at his girlfriend's house and he didn't come home. So while I had that cell phone in my hand, I began to type um, a text and I got to the end of it. And I say in schools all the time, if I told you what I had in that text, they wouldn't invite me back because it was very colorful. Sure. And uh, you, you listening audience knows what I'm talking about. And I and I my hand was on the send button and, and I was just about to send it and the still small voice said, Don't send that. Now as time has gone on, we've come to find out that it was about that time when he was gasping for his last breath of air. And if I had sent that, the guilt that would be, yeah, it'd be something I wouldn't want to walk through. So, audience, we all need to understand that the power of life and death is in our tongues, and not only that, in the things we say, what we do, what we put down in social media. But I backed it out, and his mom, when I backed it out, his mom my mother, my wife said, you know, um, Dad, when you go to Denton, don't go down 428 um, because Katie called, which was Ryan's girlfriend's mother, and said, uh, there's been a bad accident on 428. Don't go there. And uh, I didn't even answer. I didn't reply to my wife. I just, I said, son, where are you? And I hit the send button. And, um, and I took off and I grabbed the keys to my car and... Where I lived at that moment in time was 
Sherman Drive. You kind of know where Denton's at. Sherman Drive there goes into Denton County or it goes into 428. And it's a back road that goes into into Aubrey. It's a two-lane. And I sat there at the end of the road, and I, I'm going to tell you, Nick, everything within my body wanted to go to the right. and But I knew no greater love hath a man laid down his life for another and us being mothers and us being fathers we know that we would lay our lives down for our children so i knew that i had to take a left and i did and i made my way about halfway down the road and i'd already begun to cry and i said god no not my son not ryan and uh and i can't tell you how i knew but i knew i knew it was my boy and um i made it a little further up the road and and uh, for the very first time, I, I, uh, I saw a police officer, and behind him was a hill, and there was pylons out in the road. And I pulled my car t- up to him, and I uh, could still see him standing there at my window. And I rolled my window down, and I looked at him, and I said, is it a white pickup truck? And he said, yes, sir. And I said, that's my boy. I'm getting on through. And uh, I found out I've, I found out now that they're— they're not supposed to allow you to pass, but he did. He didn't say one word to me. He went in front of my car. He moved the pylons out of the road, and I went up to the top of the hill. When I, when I got to the top of the hill, for the very first time, I could now see the wreck. I could see the tractor, and I could see the truck, and, and it had exploded on impact in the fire that was there. And, and I pulled my car over to the side of the road and somehow made my way to about 10 feet from the truck and everything within me wanted my boy and was going to get my boy. And, um, and one police officer, Officer David, um, I'm friends with him today, but he truly was standing in the gap for me and my life in that moment in time. You know, I, I share this in the schools as well. You know, what social media has been saying as far as disrespect for first responders, for police officers. You do not want to be in my shoes. If we back ourselves up 100 years ago and we don't have police officers, we don't have first responders. I can tell you, Nick, that if I had gotten to my boy with that truck, that had exploded on impact and I had visually saw, I wouldn't be in front of you today. We truly, that man standing in the gap, um, made it possible and I will even say that it's because of him. Now, of course, you know, he's he's very humble, but I, I say it like this. I say, you know, David, it's because of you that day that this message was able now to be heard by a million directly and indirectly in that moment in time. But he kept me, he did. He kept me from getting to my boy. I, I didn't see him. Um, they put me back into a uh, sheriff's vehicle. And I remember very clearly going with my head against the glass and looking up at the clouds and not believing in the serility of my son's passing. He put his hand on my knee, the other officer did, and said, Sir, you're going to have to pull yourself together and find the strength of character to go tell your wife. And uh, and I'll tell you, Nick, that's the... That's the last thing I ever wanted to do. And um, and I went home, and I remember I didn't even have to say a word. My, my wife um, read my eyes, and she hit her knees. And uh, 
And I say it like this, you know, if you have a vase and you're holding it in your hands and it's firm, it's, it's, you've got a firm grasp on it. It's not going anywhere. Uh, my life, April 6, 2012, I was 45 years of age at that time. A successful, you know, family-run business. Um, kind of had my, my little ducks in a row. And, um, and my world, you know, I was, I, I, I'll use the words happy, you know. I, I'd been married at that point in time for 22 years. I had a successful business, had two beautiful children. One's fixed and graduate. He's helping me build that. So, so things were kind of lined up at that way. But in a moment, in a split second, our whole lives can change. It did for me. It was like that vase slipping through the hands and crashing to the floor into a thousand pieces, shattered. My life in that moment at ten thirteen in the morning was uh, was uh, I can't even really explain it to you by English. And so when I say from tragedy into triumph, or from a pain into a purpose, I truly mean that. Because then over the next following nine months um, is where this, I'm going to use this word, where this message, this heart message was birthed from. It, um, and it was in about what it would take in, uh, for a baby to come here to this earth in about a nine-month period. See, still presently to this day, I've only been to the gravesite twice. But if you know where 428 is, there's a cross on the side of the road. His his friends, all the people that that love Ryan, they they created that thing there on the side of the road, and and for the next following nine months, because I was there at the accident that day, that's where I would go, and I would just sit there on the side of the road, crying, hollering, and I I have many different mentors in my life, and they all began to tell me, Wade, you need to write, you need to bleed on paper, you need to put your thoughts down on paper. And so that's what I would do. That's what I did by sitting in my truck just privately. And I'd have a thought. I'd have an, something, an epiphany that would come to me, and I'd just put it down. Were you surprised by how that made you feel? If you hadn't done that before, sometimes people don't understand the power of writing or just exercising what's inside oh, of Oh, I would say 100%, Nick. Yeah. It, 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 uh, you know, I didn't even understand what bleeding on paper meant, you know? Um, but I, I, I began to know it then because I was. I was literally putting it, my heart, down on paper. Then I got to visually see it, and I said, wow, that's powerful. And I, I was, so I would just, and I remember very clearly at about the end of nine months, um, I was writing, didn't know at that time, it's been called The Purpose of Life. Uh, we show it in schools. Um, it's been seen by, you know, thousands upon thousands of people and it literally is from the cradle to the grave and i was writing it and it was just coming to me like a like a rushing water and i got down to the end of the last sentence and whoever you are good character or bad you are going to change the world and i and i put a period on it and i looked out my window and i and i just got to tell you I, I i saw it in a vision i saw um this message being spoken into public schools. 
But I want to tell you, Nick, I was 45 years of age, and for a father, the only time I w- was going to school, it'd probably been, you know, 30 years since I had been inside of a schoolhouse or walked down to lockers or anything outside of, of both of my kids or going to a football game or, or whatever the sporting event was. That's what I did. So I, you know, scratched my head. I didn't know how that was ever going to come to pass, how that was ever going to be able to be, number one, accepted, um, or how that message was ever going to take place inside of a public school setting. And um, so two years to the date, the hardest thing I, I've ever had to do, I knew that I was supposed to deliver this message for the very first time. I did it two years to the date, April 6, 2014, at a church in Aubrey. Then I, I just, the, the then the next following, and you're fixing to hear from Jill, and that's where me and Jill met. Uh, for the next following three months after that, I did a um, I did a rally at UNT, and I got through doing the message at the rally. And again, still small voice said public school, and I still didn't know how that was going to happen. And here's the point: on that, so that was on a Saturday night. On that next Monday, that's when I got a call from a teacher from Tioga, and said, "Hey." I saw, I heard that message at the church in Aubrey. Would you come and, and share this message with our students here at Tioga? And then that's when the match struck, and we've been going nonstop ever since. Going nonstop? Nonstop, Indeed. literally, yes. How do you feel when you get done with one of these talks? What is the feeling for <laughs> you? Because there's got to be a lot of different emotions running through you when you get done with one of these, even though you've done over 100. Well, I'll, I'm going to make it in this sentence. Um, yeah, again, you learn as you go. You know, the messenger, the message that was given to me, I, when I begin this message, I say, students, this message isn't just for you. It's for the administration of this school. And most assuredly, this message is for me. And so the message that came that I got from the cradle to the grave, what that looks like, it was first for me and healing for me, then I had to, by free will choice decision, by stepping out there on that gym floor, look, we live in a broken world. We would all agree with that. And you're either, you've been in a struggle or you're currently in a struggle and the battlefield is of the mind. And so we're all walking in something, aren't we not? And in this broken world, what we have learned through the brokenness that could be used so much for the good, but, but at the same time, we also learn to pick up a mask to shield our heart or to shield myself between me and you. See, the message of measured is truly, when I say a heart message, and by the time I walk you to that truck, I, Wade White, Dr. Wade White, has the mask off of me because I have mask as well. My mask is down. My heart is forward. I don't have no agenda. I don't have no motive. I just want to speak from my heart. When doing this message and I'm delivering this message, what I began to learn is that the hearer who's listening from their heart, they're being healed in particular areas of their life, but I'm being healed as well. We're being healed together. So when you think from a broken father with the grief of the loss of his son, when I when that light bulb went off with me, I said, my goodness, I want to do the next one because I'm being healed. I'm seeing life. I'm seeing hope. I'm seeing it through completely different eyes. 
and then the hearer is getting it as well because we all speak from our heart and we're all and so we all have either issues or trials or things that are going on and and i'll say this and i know we could talk forever <laughs> um i have never said from the microphone if you're dealing with something come talk to me all i say is i will not leave this gym until you do and i told you 103 from the very first message to the 103rd message even though this message is two hours long they line up on their own accord literally i've been in some schools that have been in there for five and a half to seven and a half hours even though the message is two hours long they're bringing forth their issues their struggles the things they're going through the thoughts of suicide the self-harm the cutting the social bullying all of those myriad of issues and and they're conversing it with me and i'm being able to counsel them so yeah i you know when i say when you're living on a purpose and i began to see that that not only is the hearer being healed and chains are being broken but inside with me as well I mean, I just wanted that bomb of of uh, of healing to happen with me. That's reasons why I cannot stop. I won't quit. When that child looks at you and says, "Thank God, you came to my school today," because after school I already had it planned out how I was going to end my life. How can you ever, ever drop the pl- t- uh, the baton on that and say, "No, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and do something else"? I can't. Because I know that the next school I go to is going to be the same thing and the same thing. Um, yes, we do live in a broken world. And do we all not need hope? Do we all not need freedom and peace? Absolutely. That gets us where we can put one foot. I don't say, like, get on with life. I say just put one foot in front of the other so that we can be here tomorrow. It's a fantastic message in a wonderful organization measured by character. If you want to get involved with this, parents, teachers, even students, you can find them online at measuredbycharacter.com. Or once again, give them a call, 844-622-0406. Dr. Wade White is the founder <laughs> of Measured by Character. I want to thank you for your story. I want to thank you for your time. I thank really, you, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Coming up after the break, more with Measured by Character. You're listening to Better Living. Sweet strawberry icing. You're in goodwill and just past that vintage denim jacket you spot. Miniature donut earrings. You lean in. Ah, that's the scent of shopping success. Because at Goodwill, every item you buy funds local job training and more. So bring home those donut earrings and bring home so much good to your community. Goodwill. Bring good home. Brought to you by Goodwill and the Ad Council. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. 
So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Adopt U.S. Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting. A Teenager. Learning the Lingo. Today I'm going to help parents translate teen slang. Now, when a teen says something is on fleek, it's exactly like saying, that's rad. It simply means that something is awesome or cool. Another one is totes. It's exactly like saying, totally, just shorter. As in, I totes love going to the mall with Becca. Another word you might hear is jelly. Jelly is a shorter, better way to say jealous. As in, Chloe, I am like so jelly of your unicorn phone case. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will think you're, um, rad just the same. To learn more, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Better Living. I'm your host, Nick Carissimi. We are continuing our conversation about Measured by Character, their website, measuredbycharacter.com. I just got done speaking with their founder, Dr. Wade White. We now turn to Jill Ward. Hello. Jill Ward. Hi. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? I'm doing great. What do you do for this organization? Well, I do many different things. Um, I contact schools. I help with booking schools, social media, website, uh, run his calendar, run Dr. White's calendar, uh, resources for every individual school that we go to in their area to make sure that the kids are able to get help, that we can offer them, uh, you know, free counseling from some of our resource partners. The backbone of all organizations. <laughs> whatever, like this, whatever basically. measured by character needs, that's what I'm here for. Charities, nonprofits, organizations like this, they always have a person exactly like you. Yes. And they are kind of bashful about it. They're like, well, I do a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And then it just becomes a laundry <laughs> list of things that you do. Uh, how did you get involved with measured by character? Um, I worked for a radio station in DFW, and one of the things I got to do was I got to work with nonprofits, and I met hundreds and hundreds of amazing nonprofits, and went to this little meeting for Hope Fest, Hope Fest in Aubrey. Um, I was brand new at the time in, in my position, so any little event trying to get the word out, we were a new station at the time, and uh, and Wade was at the event, and I he comes to me and he says. He hands me his card and he says, I've got this nonprofit. I'd love to tell you more about it. And I'm like, oh, I work with nonprofits. Here you go. Here's my card. Let's talk, you know. <laughs> and uh, it it was pretty incredible because the day before, my mom and I were driving down 428 and we had, and it was started to get dark. And I just saw this like, I saw this cross on the side of the road and it was just lit up like it was glowing. And I told my mom, I said, Mom, look, his light still shines even after he's gone. And then I met him the next day. And then he calls me, what, a couple of days after that and starts telling me about um, his, you know, his son Ryan and passing on, you know, and on 428. And I was like, wait a minute. Is that his cross on 428? I just saw that. So, you know, I'm crying. I'm like, this is this is meant to be. We're supposed to work together. Yeah. So, um, and that was before you ever did any, any schools. Um, you'd actually just, oh, talking about doing a crusade at TWU. Mm-hmm. 
And instead, you know, it's TW. Oh, was it? Yeah. So this is early <laughs> or, in like, bef- the mission. Yeah, yeah, or before school number one. Wow. It was just a concept, an idea. And so I told him, I said, I... Don't much your thoughts. I said, I don't know how you're going to do this. Like, I, the message is great. Well, I went and heard the crusade, and I was like, the message is incredible. I said, but I don't know how you're going to be able to do this in a public school. Like, I just— What was your apprehension there? Why Why were you? Why was that your thought process? Um, just because uh, the foundation of the message is—it's um, it's truly a God-given message. And you can—there, you know, you— Iron sharpens iron. Love your neighbor as yourself, you know. And I'm like, how are you going to talk about all this in school? They won't even let you say anything in school, you know. But, you know, when it's his purpose, you absolutely are able to do anything. It's always a big leap between liking an organization's message and wanting to get actively involved. Yes. So once I saw, so I'm trying to help him, trying to figure out, okay, so I want to put you on uh, our uh, ministry announcements that we have on the station that I worked for and so you know got to make the we have to make sure it's free and and you know Wade's whole purpose was you know bring the message with excellence and never require a school to pay that's been our foundation from the beginning everything we do we bring with excellence and we never make it a requirement for a school to pay because some schools they don't have the budget for you know how much it costs to get us and our equipment because we have a an incredible uh, stage and video wall, and we are state. We are state. We are state of the art when it comes to um, our setup. And <laughs> so, yeah, I was not sure how he was going to do it, and um, but then we went to the school, and so I, I put some radio spots on for Measured by Character, talking about you know, talking about kindness and bullying, you know, bullying, because that's what we talk about is we talk about, you know, you know, bullying, social bullying, cutting, self-harm, suicide. Uh, We talk to the kids about, uh, you know, what's the golden rule, you know, and they're like, you know, treat others as, you know, you want to be treated. And we're like, and also love your neighbor as yourself. Well, what's the opposite of that? You know, hate your neighbor as yourself. You only have the capacity to love other people as much as you love yourself. So that, you know, when we talk to them about that, and then that's how people are able to go in and do these horrible mass shootings inside schools because they look in the mirror and they hate what they see. So when you hate what you see internally, physically and internally, you're not going to like anything that you see with anybody else. And so that's how, you know, people are able to, you know, to commit these horrible, you know, crimes. You were with the organization before it went to schools, and then now you've done a lot of schools it's heavy subject matter, and there's a lot of heavy stuff happening in yes. schools right now. You have to specifically talk to your audience for it to be effective. We have learned in the previous segment how you guys achieve that, but you've seen it from a different perspective. Yes. How have you seen this message go to the kids, and why do you think that it sticks and that it penetrates? Well, we one of the things that um, I do is I talk to the principals and the counselors beforehand, and I find out what type of issues they're having in the school. And so, you know, Dr. White and I talk about it, say, okay, they're having a really big issue with um, sending pictures via phone, you know, not so, not good pictures, you know. So that might, right. that might be something that they're really heavy dealing with, or they might have a... Um, a social bullying issue, or they might have just come, might have just lost a couple of students to a car wreck. So we we try to focus on some of those things that um, 
are really heavy in the school right then and there. He gets led there and he stays there and it's just different. We're not scripted. So is it surprising how similar a lot of the schools are, though, and the issues that the schools are dealing with? Oh, the, the schools deal every single school deals with the exact same thing. So if you think that your school is different from any of the other ones that you're hearing about that them finding weapons or their kids getting, you know, beat down or bullied or it is it is the same. Every school that I talk to across the board is having the same. Oh, yeah. It's having this, especially since I, I started, I left my job two years ago um, to work with uh, Dr. White full time and measured by character because I saw over and over and over and over the impact that the message was having on the kids because they would come in and they would be like, yeah, I'm too cool. You know, the kid, you know, high schoolers, oh, I'm too cool for this. Oh, yeah. I don't need none of this, this message. They'd sit down, they'd listen to him talk about uh, the day he lost his son, walking them to, you know, walking them to the truck, and then giving them the opportunity, telling them that they are no longer, they're not promised tomorrow. Today is a gift. You, you do not know when you're going to draw your last breath. And giving them that opportunity to make amends with anybody inside that school that they have bullied, been mean to, ignored, make a new friend, do something. Because how would you want to be remembered if you were to die tomorrow? What do you want your legacy to be? How You have the ability to write your own obituary. What do you want it to say? When you're watching the presentation, do you feel that in the room? Do you see that in the room? As an observer, how do you notice that the kids are accepting the message and that they have taken that armor off. Oh, there are tears, and they're hugging on each other. And then we give them the opportunity to say, will you stand up and make a difference in somebody else's life right now? And so it's called the turnaround. And so we give them that opportunity to stand up. And it happens organically. You know, sometimes it takes some of the students with when there's a lot of heavy stuff going on in the school. It may take them a little bit longer uh, to move around and, and to ask for forgiveness or to go, you know, talk to somebody that they hadn't talked to in a while, but every single school, 103 times, it happens. They get up, they go apologize, they make amends, they make new friends, and you just, and they do, they get up and they walk around, and we just, it's one of the most incredible things that I've ever got to be a part of, um, and even got to witness, because you are, you feel the spirit in the room change, and Everybody is just there to love on each other at that point. I mean, not every single student is going to, you know, is going to get it. We, you know, we're there for that one, that one that is decided that they cannot live any longer, that they don't want to be, you know, that, that they don't know how to handle their emotions and they're cutting themselves. We're there to help that one student. And it's amazing when it's hundreds and hundreds that, that it happens to, you know, but um, you literally can see it and can feel it. You quit your job, you said, two years ago mm -hmm. to join this organization full-time. Mm -hmm. Did you know that this was going to eventually happen, or did you wake up one day and decide, I need to just full beans into this? Well, um, my husband had given me the opportunity, um, because working in the in events in radio, you work 70, 80 hours a week sometimes. Mm -hmm. And um, I had just had uh, my, my last child. Uh, we had a little girl, and... He said that, well, if you want to stay home, you can stay home with Sadie Joe, and then you can help measure as much as you want. He, said, that's, he goes, because I know that's what you want to do. You're passionate about it. Because you know, I'm doing everything that I can mm. working a full 80, 70, 80-hour 80 week. 
But <laughs> Dr. White would be like, Jill, have you decided if you're going to leave? <laughs> and finally one day I called him and I told him, yep, my last day is this day. Um, measured has me. And I have just, whatever measured by character needs is, my heart is 100% in it because I have seen lives change. And the kids, so a lot of times after school events, like they get our social media info, um, we give them uh, information for, for crisis counseling and like with the crisis text line and stuff if they need something immediately. But a lot of the times they reach out to us via Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Um, and they tell us, talk to us about stuff that's, you know, going on and reach out for help because maybe they don't want to ask for help and, you know, or, or talk to us at the gym, you know, while we're there. But many, 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 many students reach out afterwards. When did you get more involved with that side? Because... Dr. White is giving the speeches. He's the guy front and center, but you're doing a lot with the students yourself on a very personal level. When mm -hmm. did you start adding that to what you were doing for the organization? Oh, about a year and a half ago. Yeah, yeah when we started, when just stuff started flooding in and, you know, and it would happen all hours of the night. I'm up with the baby. So I'd, you know, message, you know, wait, I'd be like, hey, did you see that thing that just came in? And he goes, Jill, you know what to say to these kids. You just, if you want to take that over, you can. And it's so funny because I went to, um, I went, I was going to college before uh, I got my job in radio for um, counseling and crisis management. And I stopped because I didn't have time to finish. You know, right. And I, about, I have about a year, I have about a year left. So um, I had already started the training and didn't even know why I was doing it. And then it got put right here in crisis management. So obviously you were you were interested <laughs> somewhere in there yeah. and you found a fit. You found yes. a way to make that interest work and that's why you're with this organization. Absolutely. I didn't get to ask about it in the next segment. It's something that I normally do like to ask. Where is this organization going to go? Where do you guys want to take what you're doing? You've talked to over 100 schools. Is it continue what you're doing? Do you want to move into a different platform, a different format? What do you see as the future for measured by character? Well, you know, our goal, we'll go anywhere. Uh, we've been to, you know, Oklahoma, Louisiana, here in Texas, Oregon, Utah, any place that um, asks us to come, we're going to go to. Uh, the growth for measured by character, I see we are, um, we, we want to have an NBC app. So that way the kids can download our app and they can reach out um, and get connected with, you know, a counselor or any other type of resource, say their food, their pantry is bare and they need food, just anything to be able to go in and say this is a need that we have and then us be able to fill it. It's not just emotional, it's, you know, physical needs as well. Is the physical needs something that kind of popped up after you started doing these where you realized we have a message, we're going to tell that message, but then you started seeing other things, things that were a little more, let's say, real yeah, that people were having to deal with? Yeah, Um we had one uh, one little girl that she I gave her my card because she was having a really really tough time and uh, I messaged you know with her back and forth and found out that she had like eight siblings and uh, dad was it wasn't able to work mom could only work part time and uh, so we got them connected to like you know the food pantry and to a local church and you know to get them help with their bills and um, just. Anything that we we get at, anything that we get brought to, we're going to find help for. That's just part of. 
What are the general ages or grades that you guys speak to? Because we have only mentioned that you're just going to schools, but I don't know. Is, is there a butter zone that you guys like to deal with age-wise or grade-wise? Fifth grade and up. Why is that? Is there a certain reason why fifth grade is, is important? <clears throat> yes. Well, fifth graders now are dealing with the same type of things that when we were younger that high schoolers are. You know, I have a sixth grader, and, you know, I was – he's – Last year, he's come to me and starts telling me, and I'm like, whoa, hold on. You were, you're you 10, 11. Y'all are not supposed to be talking about that. But yes, so with social media and the internet at their fingertips, they are, um, they're catapulted into a world, grown-up world. So you need to get to them a little bit earlier. Earlier, yes. Did that all, Was that always what you guys were working on, or did you know that, did you change tactic and realize you needed to go younger? We were point? just doing middle school and high school, but then we realized... We we were asked little we were asked to do the fifth graders, and we were like, um, I don't know really because of the age. And she goes, No, you don't understand. These fifth graders are dealing with some stuff that they they need this. Were you shocked by what they were dealing with? Yes, absolutely. Like, there is no fifth grader on the planet that needs to be hearing and watching and dealing with the types of things that they are dealing with. I mean, they're getting. The, the bullying um, aspect really starts um, in elementary school, like early elementary school. So I have a second grader now, and he tells me some of the things that um, happens in his school. And then a, a little bit older, before they, they switch to middle school, um, it gets really heavy. Because they, a lot of these kids have social media, uh, you know. And so they, they have what's called a, a hashtag bullying hour. And so these kids will join in and be picking on one child. And it's so that's not just you're not just getting bullied at school. So now you can't get away from it. It's 24 seven. These kids are are getting attacked constantly. And if you and if they are have this loss of identity and they don't know who they are because they haven't really been poured into by their parents or an adult, they, they have no concept of of strength, of inner strength. And so, yeah, value of self-worth. So they can't really, they don't know how to fight this. All they know is how to um, dull the pain. And that's why we have so many kids that are using drugs at such an early age or killing themselves in middle school um, or using other outlets to feel good. Um, And it's just, it's it's terrifying to see the things that, that that they're going through. How has that affected you and the organization? Does this propel you into wanting to work harder? Is there a constant state of shock that you're in sometimes? Are you are you just used to it now? You never get used to it. Really? You never get used to it. I mean, I see we're the ones that get called when a child's killed themselves at the school, you know, to come talk to the kids or, um, or they've lost multiple students to a car wreck. Um, you... If you get used to it, something's wrong, you know. Um, it's It actually makes me more driven to continue to to try and give these kids a sense of identity to let them know that they, um, that they are the only ones that can write their legacy. What these kids are saying to them now is not going to mean anything ten, 10 years from now. You're going to get through this. You're going to get out of school, and your life will get better. You're the only one that can make the decisions for that. You know, we talked to them about how unique they are. And because they are so unique that they have a responsibility and then there's an accountability in that as well. 
and that they can uh, change the direction of their life. No matter what path they're going down, whether it's good or it's bad, that they can change the direction of their life by looking at themselves in the mirror and deciding, I want to make a change. How has this impacted your life? How has this message, it's obviously seeped into you more than just a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> it has definitely impacted my life. Um, it's, it's helped me, I think, become a better mom to my kids. Um, I've got three beautiful children, uh, 12 uh how old is Colton? He's seven. <laughs> well, seven and two. <laughs> He's in second grade. But um, I just am a little more understanding about the things that they're going through. You know, I talk to them about their day. My children do not have social media. They do not get inter- the Internet. Like Twelve, you said? It's probably mm-hmm. when they start wanting to get at that is my guess. Mm-hmm. Did you say no to social media after seeing what you've seen through Measured by Character? It wasn't just social media. It was the internet, period. And so uh, because of what I have seen, and, you know, kids are completely rad. Like, that's, it makes me sad. Does he understand why that's important, he, or is it a fight? No, he completely understands why. I mean, you know, he's a 12-year-old little boy, so he's going to get on and do whatever he wants to do when he can. You know, he's he's not... <laughs> It's true. <laughs> it's true. It's true. There's truth there. But um but he he does respect the fact of why. I'm he's seen the message twice now. So mm. we've gone to uh we went to his school when he was in Quinlan when he was in fifth grade and then we just went to Rodriguez Middle School in Oak Point. Um and he's a sixth grader there. So uh he's heard the message. He hears me and his dad and Dr. White's at our house all the time. So it's it's becoming ingrained in, in him as well. And so he understands the he understands that the that the internet can be used for good, but it also can be used for bad. And we just have to make conscious choices of what we're gonna use it for. All right. You guys have a big event coming up on November fifteenth. It's over at Oak and Ivy in Aubrey, Texas. It's the Legacy You Write It Gala. Yes, it is our annual fundraiser. Um, you can find out more information on measurebycharacter.com um, on our calendar, on our events tab there. Uh, you can also find out more information on Facebook, Instagram. We'll be posting all about it. You used to work in the event space. Yes. Now you're doing another event. Do you enjoy this task? Yes. I love the honesty. <laughs> You're a very honest person. I absolutely love it. I was joking around with uh, another group that was in here recently, and they had been planning their huge fundraiser, and you can just see it on people's faces. As, as great as these events always turn out to be, they are stressful. It's extremely stressful. Getting and it's, going. Yeah, it's extremely stressful. Any event, any event planner will, will tell you. I mean, and I do. I like I like planning events. I used to plan single moms events every for four years for the station I was at. And there's just so much that goes into it, you know. And for a you know for a two hour event, you know, it takes you months and months and months. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it is for a wonderful cause, you know. We are we're trying to help these kids get a sense of identity and be and have a good strong core um, so they know how to deal with everything that life throws at them. So, What can we expect at the event? What do you guys have planned? Um, we're, you're going to hear from Dr. White. And we're going to talk about where Measured by Character is going, what our plans are, and um, just having a little bit of fun. Have a little bit of fun. Yeah.
how many people are involved in the organization? Is it just you two? Oh no, we have um, we have a wonderful set of volunteers. We're always taking volunteers. Info at measuredbycharacter.com. So I was going to say something that always <laughs> needs to be talked about with organizations like this. While while we're talking about it, yes. What do you guys need as far as volunteers are concerned? Uh, we need volunteers for um, events. We have uh, volunteer positions open in um, analytics and outreach. Me, oh yeah, so media, social mm. media. We we just need help. Just help. We just need help. Anybody that wants to volunteer Anybody that can wants be to volunteer, a part of the organization. I, I, I will find a place for you. So, are there other employees though? Um, well, we have uh, we have how many board members? Seven, mm-hmm. seven, and um, we have uh, outreach who does an incredible job going out and talking to people. Um, because when a school can't afford to have um, to have the event, because it costs us anywhere between fifteen hundred and five thousand dollars, depending on travel, mm. to put on an event. Um, so sometimes you know, school can't afford that, obviously. But if they can't, we're not going to turn them down. We're not going to say, "Oh, you can't have them. You don't have the money, so we're not going to come." You know, it's not about that. It's about it's about the kids. So um, our outreach team goes out into the community and, um, tries to raise funds for sponsorship to get their, to get their logo on the banner that hangs up in the school and all of the kids sign the banner. Um, it's got the measured by character logo, which is actually the, the butterfly, which is his son's initials, Ryan Blakely White. And, uh, it'll have I did this... not notice that. Yes. That's slick. That's good. <laughs> well, it is a great message. Do you do any speaking at these events? No. I used to when you're I worked. Pretty, you're pretty good. When I worked you're for the, good. when I worked for the station, I would open it up and I would get to tell them about you know where I worked and da 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 and gave away some t-shirts and stuff like that. So that's how I really started um, was opening up the events. But now I would just rather blend in and help from behind everybody. I'm just saying, maybe think about it. <laughs> I'm just saying, maybe think about it. All right, Jill Ward is the jack of all trades. For Measured by Character, their website, measuredbycharacter.com. Don't forget, huge event happening on November 15th over at Oak and Ivy in Aubrey, Texas. It's the Legacy You Write It Gala, raising funds for the organization. If you want to get involved, once again, the website, measuredbycharacter.com, or give them a call, 844-622-0406. Jill, it was great speaking with you. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. My pleasure. And that will do it for this week's show. Before we go, I want to thank my guests one last time, Dr. Wade White and Jill Ward of Measured by Character. If you're interested in this organization, you can find them online at measuredbycharacter.com or give them a call, 844-622-0406. I'm Nick Carissimi. Join me again next time on Better Living. It was a goal that I wanted to achieve from the very beginning. I'm a 40-year-old man that walked in there to get his high school diploma. I wasn't sure if I could do it. It was very hard for me, but the teachers, the counselors, they help you. One of the teachers was Miss Araceli. Miss Araceli, she gave me direction. Every single time I had a question, she'll put down whatever she's doing and she'll come over and she'll sit there with you until you get it. At age 47, with the help of his teacher, Marco finished his high school diploma. 50% of getting your high school diploma is walking through those doors. The other 50% is doing the work. Getting your high school diploma, it is a life-changing experience. It really is. It catapults you to where you want to go. No one gets a diploma alone. 
If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Welcome, everybody, and thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Smokey Cole Bear, filling in for Smokey on his birthday. Because after 75 years of... Only you can prevent wildfires. Turns out there's much more to say. Just look at the news. Nearly 90% of wildfires are caused by us humans being careless. And I'm not just talking about obvious things like campfires or letting your totally sweet nephew, Francis, play with matches. I'm talking about dumping your used barbecue coals willy-nilly or parking your car on tall, dry grass. That can lead to... Oof! Guess the song was wrong. We did start the fire. But listen, being a South Carolinian, I respect Mother Nature and her trees whether coniferous, deciduous, or new car scented. So if you love the outdoors like me, go to SmokeyBear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention because fire safety is always in season. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.